Spirico with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things that we can all do to live a better life if times get tough or even if they don't. Today is February 21st, 2013, and this is episode 1076 of the Survival Podcast. It's a rather short one today. It's a follow-up with Mark Kirkwood of uh, Biotexture Training uh, with some questions that the audience had about his last appearance which was uh, originally episode 1065. And if you haven't heard that one, you may want to listen to it before you listen to this follow-up interview because it may make some of the questions and the answers both make more sense. Before we bring Mark on, though, let's go ahead and take care of our sponsors. They do a lot to help take care of you. Sponsor of the day number one today is... Jeff, the Berkey Guy Gleason. Now, what are you going to get from Jeff, the Berkey Guy Gleason? Hard to believe, but you're going to get Berkey water filtration systems. You'll also get a lot of other really great products for your prepping needs. You'll find all of it at Jeff's website, directive21.com. That's the word directive, followed by the numbers 2 and 1, and then followed by .com. But why get your Berkey water filtration system from Jeff, the Berkey Guy Gleason? I mean, a Berkey is a Berkey, right? Not exactly. The Berkey is a Berkey is a Berkey, but not all service is equal. And it comes to pricing and service and follow-up. There is no one, I can say this confidently, in the industry that you can buy a Berkey from that you're going to get the level of service and care that you will from Jeff Gleason. Let me tell you how this guy is. I had him on a discussion panel right, at, a, at an expo. And he was there just as an expert member of the panel to answer questions of the audience. And finally, to be like, dude, put your tablet down. You're on a discussion group because he was taking care of customers in the middle of a panel discussion. That might not make him the most exceptional person to put on a panel. But boy, is that the kind of guy that you want running a company you do business with? Absolutely yes. Jeff is the Berkey guy for a reason. And hey, who are you going to buy from? The non-Berkey guy? Really, is that what you're going to do? You're going to be the guy that goes out and goes, gee, I want a Berkey, and I could get it from the Berkey guy, but I'm going to get it from the non-Berkey guy. Don't let that be you. Get over to directive21.com today and do business with Jeff. Seriously, I poke at him because he's one of my best friends in the world, honestly, as far as I'm concerned. And uh, I love the guy. Uh, but he is so dedicated. He has taken care of this audience for years now with, with just about no complaints whatsoever, which is hard to believe with this discerning of a group. Uh, and he always does whatever is necessary to take care of people. That's the kind of thing I want to sponsor. Uh, next up today is uh, the Free State Project, and that's quite coincidental. I didn't plan it that way, but it's interesting because right now I'm in New Hampshire with members of the Free State Project, and I'll be doing presentations on Friday and Saturday this week on bug out bags and what's called being the prepared libertarian. And now prepared, preparedness is a virtue. The Free State Project is all about building liberty in our lifetime, not waiting for somebody to do it down the road, but taking action and doing it now. They're doing that by relocating liberty-minded individuals to the state of New Hampshire because it has a highly representative government. It already leans far toward freedom. And uh, it's easier to influence things in a state with less people in it, honestly. And their goal is to move 20,000 liberty-oriented people there with the concept of vote with your feet. See, the foundation of a republic is this. 
When one state does something stupid consistently, New Jersey, or blows money like water and puts itself on the edge of bankruptcy, Illinois, or consistently steps on the throats of individuals and overtaxes them, California, then people have the opportunity to move to a state that is a lot more free like New Hampshire, or Texas, or Montana, or Wyoming. But in this case, New Hampshire. And I know not everybody can move to New Hampshire, but why do you think I'm in New Hampshire right now? Because I believe that a fight for liberty somewhere is a fight for liberty everywhere. To learn more about the Free State Project and how you can be a warrior for liberty, either by being part of the relocation or just supporting the work that they're doing the way that I do, get on over to freestateproject.org. Uh, next up, want to remind you guys about 13 Skills. Hey, get on the 13 Skills uh, website. Take the 13 Skills Challenge. Check out TSP Mint. You want silver? You want a great price? How's this for a great price? MSB members, $1.99 a per, uh, per coin over spot. Non-members, $2.99 per coin over spot. Competitive with anybody out there. Custom-made AOCS silver medallions. Check it out today, tspmint.com. Check out the gear shop. We have some cool stuff there. Last but not least, do consider joining the Member Support Brigade. You know why? You can support the work that I do and be part of the team that supports the Survival Podcast in all the work that we do. And here's the best part. Because I've worked hard to put together a group of some of the best uh, vendors there are out there to offer you discounts, I can say with confidence, if you buy things for gardening, if you buy things like silver, if you buy things uh, for preparedness, if you buy long-term food storage, if you buy things like dehydrate, if you buy stuff for self-sufficiency and self-reliance and independence, and you use the discounts every year, this is a membership that will pay for itself, and you support the work we do. Our, we're doing here military, law enforcement, Peace Corps, active duty or prior service, or first responders like paramedics. I offer you a special service discount. Email me with service discount in the subject line. Send me that email and uh, tell me who you are and what you did, if you're prior service or who you are and what you're doing. I don't need a lot, one or two sentences. Hey, I was in the Army from 86 to 92. I was a heavy wheel vehicle mechanic, what have you. All right? That's all I really need there to uh, kind of vet you and make sure you're not just scamming on it. I don't worry too much about it. I figure if you are enough of a low life to claim to have military service when you do not, just to get a discount to my MSB, I'll never really know that it was you anyway, and you'll have to live with that. So I don't really send out the uh, FBI to vet you or anything like that, because those guys and I don't seem to spend a lot of time together anyway. All right, so um, now it's my good pleasure to bring back uh, Mr. Mark Kirkwood from Biotexture Training. I'll tell you what you'll hear in his voice during this interview. Fatigue. The dude is tired. I mean, really tired. He was literally out in the field working and busting his butt and took the time to do this follow-up interview. So give him a little leeway with uh, the obvious fatigue. And uh, with that, I'd like to say, hey, Mark, man, welcome back to the Survival Podcast. So uh, how you doing today, Mark? Great. How are you doing, Jack? I'm good, man. I'm good. You've been busting your hump. I can, I've got, I've got him on video, guys. You can't see him. He looks tired. He's been out working, but, uh, he took some time to be with us here today. So the first question I got for you, um, a lot of folks got really excited when they heard about your modified earth ships, you know, and they went to your site and they said, where's the pictures of what you're building? Uh, and there were some in construction prog, uh, pictures of a few things, but basically there wasn't a completed home. Could you kind of give people the lowdown on, on why that is? Okay, so what we've got is a situation where we've invested money into a local area uh, in the Tyler area. Uh, we moved into a, a, a homeowners association where we were 
where we were building, and one group of people voted us in and said, go ahead and go for it, and you can build whatever you want. And then they all got voted out, and a new group of people came in and said, no, you can't. Uh, we don't want you here. So after investing about $60,000 into this site uh, and owning multiple properties there still, uh, we had to abandon that. So we have a a set of of structures there that were about halfway completed. Uh, we were going to hold a training class there and have them completed uh, this last uh, September. Uh, we started another structure that is privately owned uh, in the Page area, and that is uh, we're not allowed to even really talk about that. So uh, that uh, – there's no pictures or anything from any of that. So, so that's a complete, we, uh, but you can't describe it because you have a client confidentiality agreement. The prepper people in yeah, the audience should yeah. maybe understand that we have people in our own audience that would feel the same way about their structure. Yeah. So, uh, you know, give us a couple months here. Uh, we just landed in Page or uh, in the Bastrop area, and we will uh, have another one up. You know, it'll be my house, actually, uh, <laughs> very quickly. Um, and uh, another note, uh, the Iron Butterfly will be uh, producing a video. It's ready to go, rock and roll, and we'll have it up for sale probably in the next two weeks on the website so people can see it. we got if a lot of questions. I'll remember, that. explain what that is, the, uh, the Iron Butterfly. The Iron Butterfly is the uh, Earth... Uh, it rams the tires with earth. Uh, it's a very, very simple, effective process, uh, and it's it's a real back and time saver. Uh, as you can see, you know I've been working hard. I hate pounding tires, uh, and pounding tires is is a, a chore that no one ever wants to do. And it's one of the things that most people are afraid of when it comes to these kind of structures. So uh, you know. Mechanizing it was a huge step in the right direction, uh, and we're very, very happy with what we've come up with. Awesome. Yeah, that's and, something that I think has been needed for a long time. Yeah. Yeah, it'll change the construction. It'll be a game changer, you know. You know, and then aquaponics. Aquaponics is a game changer, too. We've got, uh, you know, the ability to produce a lot of food on a small amount of land. Now, you said you had a bunch of questions about that. What are people yeah, people, asking? Really, people just really wanted to know what what specifically are you doing? Like, are you using a flush and drain system? Are you using a deep water system? I mean, if you could give people maybe a basic description of the aquaponic systems that you're designing and building. Okay. So what we're designing, we're shooting for the absolute middle of the road because what's with aquaponics, if you go high density with fish – you can lose your stock real quick uh, if you have a if you have a failure. You can kill your your product uh, with low density. You don't have the food production. So we're shooting really middle of the road, and there's a lot of different reasons why we're doing that. But the majority of the reasons is from a sustainable perspective or or a survivalist perspective. I believe that we need to build systems that are robust and tough and are hard to kill. And uh, so what we're doing is we're building systems that are are they're a mix between and if you know aquaponics they're a mix between a Murray Helm and a growing power system. We're doing 12 inch grow beds. They're 12 inch deep. Uh, we're doing an ebb and flow system. 
uh, and we start off, the minimum size of our systems is 1,000 gallons. Anything smaller is not safe because the pH swings are too drastic. So then what we're doing is we're doing between 3 and one and 3,000 gallons, excuse me, one and 3,000 gallon systems. And then instead of expanding on the water for one system, then you just build another system. Uh, the reason why is because the safety in that zone right there, it's really good and solid so we can keep running. You know, uh, it'll run 24-7, 365, and produce food all year long. Um, and if people really want to learn, you know, I hold uh, uh, seminars on this stuff and we talk through it. And, it, you know, it's kind of hard on an interview to get really in-depth. But, man, I can I can talk for hours. So so you, you mentioned Hallam. Um, I'm familiar with his systems, including his DIY systems. Um, he does a lot with the IBCs. Are you guys using those and plumbing them together to get a system size you need, or are you going a different way with your tanks? We go a completely different way, um, you know, because in Texas, heat is really the enemy, so our goal is to control the, the water temperature. And to control the water temperature, the best way to do that is to put the ponds in the ground. Okay. Uh, in any pond above the ground is going to be subject to the ambient air temperature. Any pond in the ground is going to have a real solid base of temperature uh, and is not going to change nearly this quickly. Uh, so it's it's much easier to heat and cool water in the ground as opposed to uh, above ground. So you're doing so liners or... Uh, you know, basically small rammed earth pond. I mean, what how, what are you how are you um, you know holding your water in these things and creating your drainage and all that with it? Okay, so we do uh, we do a, a combination of things. But first, yes, we do a liner. If you have a good clay soil base, we can just throw a big pond liner in, uh, and uh, and that'll that'll hold the water uh, pretty good. You know, with with very little expense. Well, a big part of this is doing it on the cheap. Uh, and so then uh, if you don't have good soil, then we'll pour, pour that in concrete. Uh, and that can be, you know, still pretty cheap. What we're, what we're looking at is about 8 to $9 a square foot for an aquaponic system. So if you're, if you're at, you know, 1,000 square feet or 1,200 square feet, we're, we're right around seven or $8,000, somewhere in there. Uh, in material costs to build it, um, and we teach people how to build them, so they're real straightforward. Uh, and we do all raised grow beds. We build them out of wood, and then we line them. Uh, which we're trying to build everything out of readily available materials that everybody can get their hands on. Um, do straightforward, uh, easy to build stuff, so that uh, it's. Again, it's it's middle of the road so that everybody can can do it. If you don't know how to use a power tool, you can still build this. <laughs> so you're lining your grow beds as well. You're using pond liner for that, or yeah, we're using food grade plastic for it. Okay. Uh, it's tear resistant, strips mill stuff. Yeah, well, nice and simple. And if you do have damage to one of them, it's pretty easy to just replace that particular bed. Yeah, yeah. It, 
yeah, you're you're going to have to remove the the gravel from it. But it's it's a cheap, effective way to do it, and it'll last a really really long time. Absolutely, cool. So the the other big uh, questions that we got was a lot of questions on uh, tromes and developing compressed air systems with uh, waterfall methodology. So can you maybe elaborate a little bit on that? Yeah, okay, so the waterfall technology, you know, where you're you're building air pressure, we're going to be doing a Kickstarter for that next. Uh, first, we're going to do air wells. We'll talk about that in a second. But the tromps, um, you know, a third of France was running on a, on a tromp um, before World War II, and the oil industries basically just destroyed the information. So that that is something that we want to recover as quickly as we possibly can, because if you have flowing water on your property, uh, you can produce tremendous amounts of energy uh, with this and refrigeration uh, because if you decompress compressed air, it cools rapidly. So you can have freezers built with this. Uh, we can also use it for water collection. Uh, there's a lot of different uh, applications that this can be used for, uh, you know, power tools and electrical generation. You can even run uh, vehicles off compressed air. So. Uh, you'd have to have compressed air tanks. and uh, So, uh, you know, specifically, uh, you have to have a big, deep hole. You've got to dig a really deep hole, and uh, you got to do some, some pipe work and put together some big pieces. Uh, I can't get real more specific than that because I haven't built one yet. Okay. Uh, but I'm... I want to more than anything else uh, to build that. First, though, we got to have the water flow, and uh, that's where air wells come in. Um, we're going to do a Kickstarter here uh, to build an air well. Uh, one of the problems with building an air well here is that we don't have any rock where we're at, um, so uh, we have to import all of our rock. Uh, it needs to be on a pretty good thick concrete base, we're going to go with, again, we want to be middle of the road so everybody can do this. Uh, this this is a game changer for the world. Uh, we If we can prove this works again, um, it's been proven to, be, to work, but we want to nail down the design and make sure that everybody has access to this. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to open source everything we're doing, uh, take good video and make sure that everybody... Uh, uh, who watches it understands how to build it. Uh, what you want to do is you're going to take cantaloupe to may, maybe a little bit smaller size rock. It can be jagged, it can be round. But what we want to do is we want to get it to point-to-point access. We want to get as much air volume between the rocks as we possibly can so air will flow through the rocks. Um, the history of this design comes from... Uh, uh, a guy named Zebold, uh, he found uh, several of these structures around a, a, a city in Theodosia, where that is, I'm not exactly sure, I didn't do the research, but he found several of these structures and he rebuilt one. Uh, he didn't consider it a success. Uh, it was producing about 100 gallons of water a day. Um, our goal is to hit 100 gallons of water a day. If we hit 100 gallons of water a day with a pile of rocks, we've done good. <laughs> uh, and if that can, you know, if that can be reproduced uh, 
you know, I, I'm sure that he, what his difference was is he used a bunch of different smaller sizes of rocks. Uh, and I, I believe that it needs bigger rocks. But we, no, nobody knows. Nobody knows. There's no real true research on this that we can get a hold of anyway. Uh, we know that, that the Germans did it during World War II. Um, and you can build them out of concrete. Uh, we know that the concrete ones work. And so you can look out there and see some concrete ones. They're, they're pretty big structures. But we want to make it so that every prepper out there with rocks on the ground can build one of these things. Uh, and, uh, yes, it's, it's a lot of work to get it done, but it's also a lot of work to drill a well. Uh, so, you know, if your well goes dry and there's still humidity, pile of rocks, it's, it's about diversity with sustainability. You want to diversify your water as many ways as you can. You want to have a well. You want to have a pond. You want to have water collection systems, rainwater collection. You want to have, uh, uh, you know, anything that you can that will collect water. So that's our goal. So we'll, we'll advertise our uh, – in the next few days, we'll advertise our, uh, our Kickstarter on our website. And uh, we'll, hopefully we'll fund and be able to build us a big, giant rock pile. And is that the basic technology is a pile of rocks? There's an arrangement, or uh, I mean, what, can you explain the yeah. basic theory? Yeah, the basic theory is uh, okay. So it's a it looks like a volcano uh, a little bit. It's a big giant cone with a cone sticking down in the center of it. Uh, what the theory is is that the the sun heats the exterior rocks. The interior rocks stay very very cool. And uh, we had some gravel delivered the other day, and so we went and dug in the pile. Uh, and the first few days, it was really dry. The gravel was really dry. Uh, then we went and dug in the pile of gravel a couple of feet into it, and it was wet. Uh, it started to get wet. Uh, it started to condense water on the inside of the pile of gravel. Now, what you're going to do is you're going to put a basin underneath this pile of rock to collect the water as this as it drips down. You want to want to have as much airflow between the rocks as you can, so that uh, as the rocks on the outside heat up, it'll excite the air. The, the cool rocks on the inside will pull warm air in, and then what I believe, but we don't know this for sure is that the cone at the top is how the air rises out of out of it. So we're thinking about putting some tubes in it that you hand build out of the rock so that air can flow freer. Uh, and we're not sure, you know, what that's going to do. So we may have to take it apart and reassemble it a couple of times just to make sure that we're doing it right. Uh, so it's it's a big project, but I really look forward to it because, you know, somebody's got to do the work on this stuff. Otherwise, it, it doesn't go anywhere. And uh, who wants to move a big pile of rocks? <laughs> well, I'll do it. I like it. <laughs> well, and I think that that's, I mean, I mean, what we're really doing here is recapturing a lost technology. And uh, yeah. with the timing of some of the technology, it was that I think other things came around that said, well, maybe this isn't worth the effort. Uh, because we came into cheap energy and cheap sources of, of water. Um, but there's, uh, like you said, the redundancy factor is huge. It's a basic permaculture principle. If if I have fertility in a system, I don't want just fertility from chicken manure. I want multiple sources of fertility. With water being life, I want multiple sources of water. And 
I mean, if you can get 100 gallons a day out of something, that's a significant amount of water. You put that into a drip irrigation system, and uh, you can do an awful lot. If we start combining that with things like culture and reduce the need for irrigation uh, to minimal, um, you're talking about quite a bit of sustainability from a, a pile of rocks. Yeah, and I mean, pretty much anybody can build a pile of rocks, right? <laughs> I think it's the arrangement, the size, and 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 whatnot that you're going to have to ferret out, though. Yeah, and that's what we want to do. I mean, if this if this technology really works, it could be a game changer again for the, the for the world, and we could prove it doesn't work. You know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I like you being honest about that. You really don't know what's going to happen yet when you do this. Yeah, we don't know. Um, and and some people have been able to reproduce this. The guy who originally found found the pile of, piles of rocks, he reproduced it, but his base cracked. So his 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 drip pan on the bottom of it cracked, and so he considered it a failure. He was producing about 95 gallons of water a day. Uh, his pile of rocks was smaller. They used a lot of different sizes of rocks. And uh, I think that, uh, you know, it, the arrangement, he built it once and abandoned it, and then they, they dismantled it partially. So the site has been rediscovered that he did, but uh, it's never been put back into action. Very cool, man. Well, I know you're busy, and I'll let you get back at it. You probably could have, could use the break you had here, uh, at least the physical break, and maybe not a, a mental break. But uh, I appreciate you getting back with us and uh, and letting us know about these additional things because there were tons of questions because it was such a uh, an informative and great interview. Thank you, Jack, and I appreciate it. Uh, thanks for the opportunity to answer some of the questions. And folks, with that, this has been Jack Spierko today along with Mark Kirkwood helping you figure out how to live that better life if times get tough or even if they don't. Seeing our food these days, you know it's on our TVs. Sometimes we forget we are what we eat. I don't know the answer. It's like there's nothing I can do. It's the price we pay, I guess, and we follow all the rules. There's a better way to do this. Let me show you a better way. i
revolutionize you.